Welcome to Geocache Adventures, the podcast where we explore everything geocaching. I'm your host, Shadow Dragon One. I love geocaching. If you're listening to this, you probably love it too. If you enjoy the podcast, consider sharing it with somebody that you think would love it. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and there's a Facebook group as well, so you can join in the fun and share your adventures. There's also a Patreon page that you can join and unlock exclusive content. Hey everybody, Amy, Shadow Dragon one here. One of my favorite things about the podcast is the cash highlight at the end of most episodes. Sometimes it's me sharing a cache that I have found. Most of the time, it's a guest sharing a cache that they have found or sometimes hidden. And I really love that part of the podcast. So I thought it would be fun to put together a cache highlights reel. So here are some cache highlights from season three. And you can find links to each of them in the show notes page. So this is ShareBear64's The Case of the Fingered Killer AL bonus. And the, uh, well, and then the GC code is GC9HJEK. And it's a bonus cache for the Adventure Lab CBM5. It is a sequential because she's telling a story. Okay. And you are trying to identify who the killer is. Um, she takes you to an area, starts telling you the story. It's hilarious, by the way. <laughs> Her use of puns and so forth is fantastic. And, uh, and you are collecting evidence at each location. When you get to answer the question and you answer the question right, she is presenting additional evidence, a coroner's report, a towing company's report. Ah. And all this information is important for you to solve the mystery and be able to get the bonus cash. So it, and she takes you to different areas. Again, uh, she's not, you know, describing Bottle Village right there, but she's taking you to Bottle Village. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. And then at the end, at the, uh, at the um, bonus, she has two sections. One is for the people who love to do mysteries and love to do puzzles and so forth. And, uh, and she's, you know, gives you this little section and all the, all the information is there. Um, Sandy and Sunny from the podcaster uh, just did it and they love puzzles. So they did it the way that it was intended to be done. But for other people, and I think she might have actually put this in just for me going, uh, Scott, we're never <laughs> going to be able to get this bonus if I don't do something. <laughs> so she has a little cheat. And, and basically the cheat is now you have to read the description uh, and follow directions. Uh, so, you know, it only took me a couple times to figure that one out. But, uh, <laughs> but it is a fantastic upper level adventure lab and uh and then everything ties in to get the bonus so the bonus cash did she theme the container to tie in with the story anyway or is it just just a yes a, a standard? She did. oh yes she did and uh 
And I think that's one thing that you don't, that most people aren't appreciating is that where the bonus is hidden is something that she made and installed and it fits right in. Uh, she is very, very clever uh, in hiding her, and creating her geocaches in that they fit in uh, where they're hidden. So you could be looking right at it and have no idea you're looking at it. Uh, Is that the type uh, of thing we're talking about? If you've ever seen like a little sign that uh, flips open and the geocache is behind the sign, that's, that's what she's kind of known for. <sighs> that kind of cleverness. So, yeah. Oh, now I really want to do this adventure lab, but it's a very long ways from Missouri. <laughs> It's a very long way from Missouri. <laughs> but when you come out, I'll take you to all the uh, ShareBear 64 uh, geocaches and you will pretty much be blown away. <laughs> Sounds good. Did you have a particular cache you wanted to tell us about? I would love to. It's okay. called Town and Country. So it's GC7DBE9. And I might give away a few spoilers. So if folks don't want to hear it, that's okay. They can fast forward through this part or whatever they choose to do. Town and Country is a DT rating 1.5, 1.0. It's a micro, but here's the thing. You pull up to it, it looks like a lamppost. Let me read the description to you. Quick PNG, very kid-friendly. Much stealth needed. High muggle presence. It's on the backside of a mall. Are you the kind of cashier who prefers to cash in town or the kind of cashier who prefers to cash in the country? Would you rather find a park and grab at a parking lot or an ammo can in the woods? Well, this cash and its sister cash, and then it has a link to the sister cash called town in country or country in town it doesn't matter they've both got a little bit for everyone the only thing in this cache is movable and it's obvious so please do not try to move anything else there are souvenir tokens for everyone while supplies last please take one if you'd like to leave swag it will be very small there is one token for the FTF, congratulations to deaf cashers for the FTF there, folks who live here in town. So originally it was put out by Team Cat Lemur. Fantastic folks. And then it got adopted by W-O-N-X-M. So this cash, you go up to a lamppost, you know, standard little uh, micro, nano, uh, that's what you're expecting. Right. And it's magnetized, that's what you're expecting. You lift the lamppost, and there's a teeny tiny 3D printed world under the lamppost. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I, I saw that and I was like, man, this is so creative. 
So I had to give that one a favorite point, of course. And then when you're looking around, there's so many details that you look at. And then you look at the, uh, the cash, of course, the whole reason why you're peeking under a lamppost. <laughs> the cash is the teeny tiny container that's about the size of a quarter and maybe aluminum and you open it up and, and there's the cash right in there. So were you able to get one of the coins it talked about in the description? I was. So how big is that? Because they can't be very, if it's fitting in a quarter size container, they must be tiny. Yes, the coins are 3D printed as well. They okay. are about, oh, like my, my pinky fingernail, so a little bit smaller than a dime. Okay, so tiny. Yes, very small. That's very cool. Well, you have agreed to do the cash highlight for us this episode, and the cash was called Spoiler. That's right. And it was GC9PK9J. And it just so happens it's one of those mystery puzzle caches you were just it talking is. about. So what it can is. you tell us about this cache? What's well, a puzzle cache? I mean, I can't <laughs> tell you anything. <laughs> no. um, so I decided, you know, in my previous caching handle, which was with my family, we had planted a, a, a few caches and one of them's still out there. Um, it's pretty remote and often a cross country ski thing. And so it doesn't get found often, but as a result, it survived a long time. Um, so, but as the travel bugs handle, I've released a lot of travel bugs, as you would imagine. Um, but I had never planted a cache. I realized I've never really planted a cache as the travel bugs. So I thought I kind of owe it you know, for all, all the people that are out there planting stuff so that I can find it, I feel like I need to plant a few. Um, and so I decided I'm going to plant some caches that are themed on, so on the songs. And uh, so the first one uh, I chose was Spoiler. It is a puzzle cache because the puzzle is a spoiler, spoiler photo. <laughs> yeah, I went to the cache page and looked at it and I laughed when I, when I saw oh, did what you? was in the photo. Of okay, the red herring, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, I figured some, some people will get that, but yeah. It's, yeah, uh, I got I got a chuckle out of that one. I was like, oh, that's that's lovely. The photo is a red herring itself. <laughs> yeah. And I had to ask uh, someone who is a much more seasoned geocacher than I was. I put the puzzle, a prototype of it out and said, go, go solve this and tell me what the difficulty is. Because I, I didn't know. I thought, have I invented a new puzzle or someone already done this or whatever? Mm. And I thought, Ooh, this is new and unique. And he was like, yeah, this isn't that new. And actually, <laughs> you, and actually you were pretty kind. Like you know, so, so it is, it is a difficulty too. It isn't the hardest puzzle on the planet, but I, but you know, I, it's fine. I want people to find it. So. So when they find it is the con, I, I don't want you to give too much away, but is the container something unexpected? Uh, no, no, not really. It's, I mean, it does say spoiler on it. I did a little video <laughs> where I'm like doing the, the, the video. No, it's a pretty uh, standard um, urban hide. Um, okay. The, the, the find itself is not, it's not anything different. It was really the puzzle. I wanted to do a puzzle where 
the, where the puzzle was an image, like a spoiler image. So I wanted to kind of do a nod towards that song. And the next one, I'm, I'm working on one to plan. I'm just trying to find a location. Um, I want to do one for um, The Worst Casher, which is the single I was talking about that's just mm -hmm. not actually on the album. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how to work in DNFs into it. Oh. At first, I thought, I thought like, how about a challenge cache where you have to have a certain number of DNFs? But I was told by someone that might not be cool. You know, like that might not be allowed by the rules for some reason because you encourage people to go out and log DNFs and yeah. skew the stats and stuff. So I'm trying to think, I'm thinking I could either do it where you say, oh, you just have to have at least one DNF and it won't really skew stats. Maybe they'll approve that. Everybody has one D. Or what might be even better is in order to log the cache, you have to share uh, your favorite DNF story. Share a, your log has to be a post where you talk about some time that you didn't find something and why, you know, the special. And that, you know, and then, and then, because it's all about the song, The Worst Cacher is about a guy who's cached for 20 years and has never found a single cache. Oh. <laughs> so, and it's sort of like I say, an Irish drinking song. So I'm also thinking I want to put it somewhere near a craft beer establishment so people can go maybe raise a glass afterwards or something like that. So there you um, go. Yeah. It's your, I'm trying to, I'm trying to have fun with it. I want to put some creativity into it so people hopefully enjoy it, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think how that would work with a challenge cash. And because I, there has to be, there's a rule that there has to be a checker now yes, i believe so so Can i be checked i don't know i don't know I, I, at first <laughs> I, thought, I thought you know all these challenge caches are rewarding you for positive numbers right you know yeah i was like i want to reward the people who are honest who like log their you know like, <laughs> like i think if you don't find it you should log it you know you should you know and so um but then like i said someone was telling me they said well this might not be allowed because you might get people who say, well, I'll like, let's say I made it under DNFs. There might be someone who's like, all right, I'm just going to go pick a hundred caches that I have no intention of finding and log DNFs just so I can get this challenge cache. And I don't want to mm. skew stats or make suddenly people are like, why is everybody not finding my cache? You know, yeah. I don't want to cause that. I don't want to cause trouble. I just, I want to make it fun. <laughs> but I don't, I don't. So I thought if I made it small enough that everybody would qualify, like if you haven't logged one DNF, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you geocache long enough and everybody's going to have at least one at some point. Right. It's just, right. did you log it or not is the question. <laughs> <laughs> so, or like I said, I could just make it where people could share stories. Maybe put a big, a journal in it and you write your DNF story. Oh, that would be neat. So people find the, the, cash they can like read back through other people's horror stories you know <laughs> <laughs> oh you have a cash highlight for us oh um, yes yes i do we were talking about this a bit before we started recording and it sounds really interesting so i'm sure the listeners are going to love this one all right well it's a virtual geocache and it's located in southern oregon uh, the, GOC, the GC number is called is GC9, P is in Paul, 4, V is in Victor, H is in Hotel. And it's called Pioneer Resting Place. And you can probably catch that it's going to be a cemetery. 
Um, it's located in the town of Jacksonville, Oregon. And Jacksonville was the original county seat for Jackson County. It was a big boom town during the gold rush back in the 1840s, 1850s. Well, this is the Wild West. Um, there's a lot of pioneers up there. And there was a, you know, cowboys and Indians. There were some battles between them. Um, there was a family that was attacked and killed. Well, the husband was killed, the son was kidnapped, the mother and daughter made it back to Jacksonville, Oregon. Well, they um, stayed there the rest of their lives. Now, this geocache is a virtual. The only thing you have to do to claim it is they list a brochure that you can view online and take a picture of one of these headstones. Well, it turns out that one of these headstones was the husband and wife of this massacre. And what I thought was very interesting is, let's go back about 50 years. I'm a, I'm a third grade student and they're taking us to this museum and they're showing us, you know, the history of Southern Oregon. And in there, I was attracted by a shotgun and a Bible. And it turns out this was the shotgun and the Bible that was used by the, by the wife and daughter in that um, Indian attack. So, you know, here's this up close and personal piece of history um, that I learned when I was in third grade. So when it came time to do this geocache, um, I just, their headstones were one of the ones. So I did that. Now, what I also found out a few years ago, when we went to the museum to visit it, the docket that turned us around and guided us was actually the great granddaughter of the husband and wife that were killed in the Indian attack. So it was like, you know, it, it kind of brought it home a little bit. But, you know, those are, the, those are the things that I really enjoy about geocaching. They, they take you to these places that are historically relevant, either to your growing up or to people that are visiting. Um, it's just, whoa. So highly recommend this geocache. It's only been found, let me see, it's always been found about a dozen times now. But uh, it's, it's, Jacksonville's a cool little town. Um, they have a music festival there every year. Chicago's coming this year. ZZ Top will be there in two weeks. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's that's when I gave it a favorite point again because actually, <clears throat> I gave it a favorite point. But yours truly also has a physical geocache going into the cemetery. So, ah, pick up on that one. Nice. Pick up on that one on the way in. Yeah, mine was based on um, when I was going to high school there. They filmed a major motion picture there starring Cliff Robertson. And they turned the town, made it look like the 1880s again. And the opening scenes is they are riding through the cemetery. Oh, wow. And uh, it was, it was uh, oh, I'll give you a twofer. I'll give you the GC for that one also. <laughs> it's um, GC71, GC71FT. And it's called The Great Northfield, Minnesota Raid. And that was the name of the movie that the, um, uh, they filmed in Jacksonville. And one of the things that I always found so interesting about that movie is, you know, they filmed scenes around town trying to make it look 18, 
1880s and all that. Well, when they're, they're riding their horses by the courthouse, they have the same 1960s, 70s metal picnic tables out in front of the hotel. Someone <laughs> missed that. So it's like, it's like, God, it was so obvious. And, you know, but it was, it was a fun movie. It was fun having all these people come through, uh, through the town. And of course, in Oregon, we're noted for rain and they filmed it in November. So there were a lot of mud scenes and stuff. But, uh, yeah. That, that's my, that's my second favorite geocache. So anyway, yeah, those are, those are, there's a lot of interesting historical stuff down there. A lot of hiking trails, lots of geocaches. That's awesome. So for the cache highlight this week, um, you have agreed to do a cache highlight for us. And this one is GC7YFR2, Pirates of Misty Cove, Dead Man's Chest. <laughs> yeah. So tell us yeah. about this one. It, it looked like I looked it up earlier. It was a mystery puzzle cache. Yeah. So this was a 5-5 cache in Georgia. It was on a lake. Uh, and it was on an island in the lake. And we were out in Georgia because we were out there for the going caching event that we love to do each year. And I believe this was prior to the event actually uh, happening. We had a couple of our listeners from Australia come out and they said they wanted to rent a boat and wanted to get a bunch of caches around this, this lake in Georgia. So of course we said, sure. <laughs> and so, um, Graham and Kitty Cash uh, rented a boat and a bunch of us piled in. And on this lake, there were several caches we got, but the coolest one was, um, was this Pirates of Misty Cove. And it was a pirate-themed cache, and, and it, it had really cool ambiance. You walked onto the island, and there's no other way to get onto this little tiny island except, except by a boat. But when you got there, there was like they had they had put so much effort into it to make it cool. They, they had put out uh, stuff that you might see at Halloween time, you know, like skeletons okay. and tombstones and, 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 and yeah, full skeletons and skulls and pirate pirate things. And and um, and so when we got there, we felt like, wow, we were being treated to somebody's hard effort. This is not a, 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 a simple film can under a lamppost skirt, you know, some thing that somebody just threw out there. And at the end, there was a twist, but it really was a group effort. Uh, and we were first to find. Oh, really? Yeah. And so the uh, two people from Australia that came out were Kitty Catch and uh, Grim, Grim Raider, uh, Z-Grav and... Uh, uh, P Phoenix also came out with us, but um, yeah, we were first to find on that. So it was a, it was a group effort and it was a lot of fun. Um, but th that was out at Lake Lanier and we were getting old caches as well. So some, some of the caches that had been out there for a long time, we, we, we got those as well, but it was a great experience. Incredible day. Weather was perfect. You're in good company with geocachers and uh, you know, that was one for the book, definitely memorable and, and one that sticks out. Uh, do you remember, was it a really difficult puzzle as well to solve? Uh, I don't think, especially with all the people that we had there, I don't, I don't think it was super difficult to solve. I, I, think, um, I think there were just uh, different pieces of it, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, it sounds like a lot of effort went into that. It sounds like a really, really neat yeah. setup that they had for that. Yeah. So for the cash highlight, you have one for us called Raven's Labyrinth. And the GC code is GC35BKD. So tell me what this geocache is all about. Yeah, that cache is in Prescott, Arizona. Uh, I've been watching it for a long time. I actually had uh, was in communication with the cache owner for a little while and talking a little bit. He made so uh, he he's got a lot of neat caches. Just, he uh, he isn't caching anymore. He adopted all his caches out to Gene and Joe, but the Raven has some amazing caches in the Prescott area. Uh, but the Raven's Labyrinth. He actually worked with the city, which is amazing the amount of work that they, they did with them, but they actually made a shelter with the roof and, and uh, electricity out to it. And it's a, you know, there's a big map box and you open one side and it's just it has the trail maps for the, the trail system there. And then you go around the other side and there's a padlock and you open that and that's a big, big maze, big labyrinth. And there's computer voices, lights, and it's just, it's over the top amazing. It's just so much fun to play with it. And there's different stages. So if you get to stage one, it'll open up the, so you can log it. And if you get to stage two, it'll do another thing. And, and I think it might be three stages. And if you get all the way through, you'll get your name on a, an engraved plaque on there. Your name will be on the web page. I think they buy you dinner. Uh, it's just it's amazing. Yeah, it's one of the best caches I've seen. Okay, so let me get this straight. So there's three, three parts. You only have to complete the first part to qualify for the find log. Yep. But the next two parts get so difficult that if you make it through the third and final one, you you get your name engraved on a plaque. Yeah, <laughs> yep. basically what I remember in a way. Uh, That's awesome. Right now it's been, yeah, right now it's disabled. Uh, they're waiting on some parts for it, but, uh, and I don't doubt they'll get it back out. Like I say, it, it is such a neat, neat cache. As far as favorite points, I, I want to say it's still running at 100% favorite points. Everybody that finds it favorites it. That's impressive. How did you find out about this? Were you just down the area and looking on the app or whatever and said, oh, this one has a lot of favorite points. Let's go there. Or how did you find out about it? I I think I seen it in the forum somewhere. And I looked it up and, and seen how many favorites it had and how the percentage wise, how they're high favorited. And so then I looked at the cash owner and I seen he had all his caches had lots of favorites. So, so uh, we uh, had made a plan to go up to Arizona, do some caching, a friend of mine from Winnipeg and I, and then a week later, then my wife joined, joined me and he went back home. So then my wife and I zipped up to Prescott. And, and then of course we had to go up to Grand Canyon and, and a few other places, Soto and M. But uh, the caches in Prescott are pretty amazing. All the ones that we did of his. That's cool. You said there was a padlock. Does it say on the cache description how to open the padlock or how do you get past that? 
Yeah, yeah. That first padlock was on the on the cash description page, and and you just open that, and then the whole top flips up, and it like I say, it's 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 also funny because so you're working this maze, this steel ball around, and it'll there's holes and obstacles you have to avoid, and it'll drop through the hole, and then uh, the computer will say something. Come on, you got to do better than that, and things like that. It's just it's just I had so much fun working with it and I, I think it took me 16 times before I finally got into the first first uh, to get the door open oh just for the it's first one just the first door wow yeah. did you get past the first door <laughs> yeah we did we got we got the first door open so we got past that and then it's right away you're you're off, off the ball falls down the hole or something. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I would have liked to stay there and done, worked on it longer, but it was starting to get cold and dark and rainy, so he said, "Oh, we better go." So did did you get a chance to complete the second phase, or did you have to stop at phase one? Yeah, we got to phase one, and then we figured out we better, like I say, it was starting to get late, and we had to get on the move but i was hoping to go get it again this year bring a couple of friends up there but like i say it was disabled when we were down there this year so. well hopefully they'll get it back active soon because it sounds absolutely amazing and it sounds like one that you need to plan most of your day to just get that one cash um maybe people are more coordinated, <laughs> coordinated than i am too it, it's it's a it's a fun cash it's just it's just fun it sounds yep. like it well you have a cash highlight for us it is gc1 xbvy and that is geoquest uh okay is that right Sure, that's my. That's, <laughs> Did uh, I get it right? <laughs> the VY, yeah, that's uh, that, that's the first one of my GeoQuest series I wrote in two thousand nine. It's Zany Squirrel. That's one of five uh, text-based interactive fiction games, um, and that is uh, a lot of fun to play. It's probably my oldest uh, puzzles out there. I still keep it around because people like playing the game. So this is the text-based similar to Zork? Right. And you start out and uh, just in front of a mailbox with in front of a white house, just like Zork. And uh, you will get a, uh, you have to wait for some mail and uh, a GPS will arrive in the mail, an online GPS. And you have to figure out uh, in the GPS, you court, you program it to tell it what cache to look for. It will tell you what direction it is. And you try to follow it, solve the puzzles. But it's all text-based. Uh, and that was fun to write too, interactive fiction. Uh, that took a long time. So uh, this text-based game, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. So are you actually in the world following the text-based game in real life? Or is it just all text-based and then you come to the end and get the coordinates? Well, it, it's it, uh, you're in a location. You, know, you move around like, like EmberQuest. 
Uh, okay. No graphics. So it, the, it tells you, it has to tell you in text what it, what you're seeing, like a, a book. Okay. And, uh, and you have a prompt, a computer prompt where you can type in like, uh, and for instance, the first scene in, in GeoQuest, you're in front of a, you see a mailbox and it says it's closed. You, you can say, examine the mailbox and they'll say, um, you can type out examine mailbox and it says the mailbox that's on top of wooden frame painted in white to match the house exterior. It's excruciatingly, excruciatingly devoid of mail. Uh, and you try to, and you'd say, open the mailbox. And it's, you know, it, you say, it, it tells you, you open the mailbox. And you try to move and it says, you gotta wait for the mail and, and you go to the White House and you just, uh, you can ask it, ask it to uh, describe the more in detail about the house or about the mailbox or the path or what you see. And you just try to figure out based on the text clues what where to go and what to do. Okay. And there's some there's some humor in there, and I like to puzzles. And my this especially especially has a lot of uh, references to local cachers. There's a lot of like uh, uh, hidden Easter eggs for the local cachers that they would recognize their their name and or or something about them that make that makes them laugh. Oh, that's uh, neat. So not, not, not no other cashier would like get it. They're like, oh, kind of kind of weird weird humor. But the actual cashier, if someone knows the cashier, would get it and laugh too. So I like a little a little personality in the game. Okay. And so all five of them, do they all start out the same way? Where you all five in the series, you're at the mailbox waiting, or do the next ones in the series yep. kind of pick up where the last one left off? So it's all one world, just like Amber Quest. Okay. Uh, so uh, you have to map. It's a good idea to write, draw a map uh, when you move, so you can get to back back to where you came from, so you don't get lost. Um, and you, once you find, you set GPS to a certain cache. Once you find it, then you change your GPS to do another cache and solve different puzzles. But it's all the same, same, uh, same world. And the, this one's special and it has five caches. So you find the first four in the, in the game. It gives you the coordinates and you uh, go out in the real world and inside the physical cache in the real world will give you clues to find that you go back to the game and solve, use the clues that you found in the real world in the game to find the fifth cache. And you go oh. out and find the fifth cache. So you need to go out, actually find all the ca four caches so in order to finish the, the puzzle for the fifth cache. That's interesting. Yeah. I've seen series like that before where you have to collect data to solve for the final, but never where you take it and put it back into a video game world to solve that way. Right. Yeah. Different That's twists. an interesting twist. Yeah, if, if, if you know me, you know I don't like to do things the same way. <laughs> I have my own path. <laughs> very cool i'm gonna check those out and i'm guessing it's uh all online yes. as well yeah. not smartphone friendly game i haven't tried playing this on the smartphone on modern <laughs> i wrote it in 2009 so uh, i'd be curious you might be able to play it on the smartphone now i haven't tried <laughs> You've been listening to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One. If you'd like to get in touch, you can reach out to me on Facebook, 
Instagram, or go to geocacheadventures.org and you can find the information on the contact page. Theme music is by The Travel Bugs. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers. It is full of articles and pictures all submitted by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself and I love it. My favorite part is the little snippets on the edges of the articles on all the different pages. Those are my favorites. Just go to ftfgeo.com to check them out and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. 